0: Welcome back to Following Know It On, a Stormlight Podcast. This week it's episode 53, and we have finished Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. This week we're doing chapters 50 through all the way to the epilogue of, of Warbreaker. Next week we'll be talking about the whole book as a whole, and we'll have a special guest for that. But uh, this week we're just specifically talking about the ending and how we had our thoughts on that and how we liked it. Uh, Paul, we'll start with you. How are you feeling?
1: Feeling great. You know, it's been a long week, um, but I'm, I'm glad we finished Warbreaker um, and excited to talk about the ending.
2: Cool, uh, Elliot. I'm I'm doing good. It was it was fun to <clears throat> change the pace a little bit and and tackle something a little more faster paced and and kind of you know covering a lot of ground, which actually. It was different, but uh, I enjoyed it. Excited to get back to uh, Stormlight Archives, but I, I
0: enjoyed our little jaunt in w- whatever world this is—Warbreaker Land. I I realized on this read through that they don't actually ever say, or at least I don't think they say, the name of the the planet we're on. But the Wikipedia says Nalthis is the is the name of the planet we're on. So
1: okay, I feel like it had to have been mentioned at some point, right? But maybe maybe not i don't recall i don't, I don't remember it specifically yeah
0: uh, maybe there's like a mention in like in the prolog or something but other than that i don't know if it does All right. So, this has been different than the Stormlight Archive. Just a quick 20 seconds from each of you. Is it what you were expecting? And did you like the ending specifically as we're talking about these chapters?
1: I but For me, it was it was kind of what I was expecting. Um so A little bit. We knew stuff had to happen, um, kind of hit the fan, you know, Mm -hmm. um, pretty quick. It it was kind of like a miniature Sanderlanch, like none on the same caliber as our Stormlight Archive books, I'd say. Um, But definitely like everything happens at the very end. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. um, And like we kind of said before we uh, just just my first thought about it is we talked about blue fingers in our last episode um and he kind of turns out to be a bad guy and I, I was glad i didn't i i made my point mate known that i didn't trust him at least not fully I mean, I mean it wasn't super hardcore i kind of said i could feel either would believe either way um but he definitely didn't seem like a safe good character so half a point for for <laughs> that. Um we'll we'll dock you later for other predictions, don't worry. <laughs> uh, probably so.
2: That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Elliot I I got to say, I the ending honestly redeemed this book a little bit for me. I I think halfway or or three-quarters of the way through we were talking and and I was firmly headed in the category of not liking this book but i i actually i really like kind of where it went in the the end i i like the lessons our characters learned the the ways that they sacrifice themselves for others especially light song i thought light Song's story really was honest i i think kind of the the shining gem of of this story really is is kind of light song's journey i think that one really maybe i think Spoke to me the the most there, which was pretty cool. Um, I was a little, little caught off guard by a few things. I I was not expecting Blue Fingers to be the the villain. I I wasn't. I wouldn't say I'm surprised that he. You know, it's the man behind the curtain. But I I think I, I said before I would I would not have guessed that. I, I thought he was going to be a safe character. Wrong. Apparently not. Um, but I I was very much expecting. A big climax of Vivenna and Siri, like having to come to grips with how the
0: other sister
2: has changed.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we didn't really get that. We we got a. Couple... You get like a
0: page of them yeah. talking on the roof, and that's really it.
2: There's a couple, like each character kind of mentions, like, "Oh, Siri looks very different," and you know, "Oh man, is that Vivenna?" Like, wow. And then that was it. Like, I. Maybe I'll talk more about this in our, our kind of book retrospective. But yeah, I, I feel like that was a bit of a missed opportunity there. I think that really could have been a way to kind of go back and summarize or or kind of put the emphasis on their character journeys and, and how they've changed, why that matters. Um, and We didn't really get that. But, but all that said, I, I actually really
0: enjoyed the ending. I completely agree with you that... I, I'm not a huge fan of Warbreaker, as I've said a couple times, but the ending, like you said, is a very redeeming factor. I I also enjoyed it way more this time than I did my first read. This has only been my second time reading it, and I did find myself genuinely enjoying the ending a lot more than I did the first time, because I think the first time, I just still was not over uh Syrian Susebron, I have to say, having... Uh, <laughs> like having their their love connection and it just was super big hang up for me but um i i did enjoy the ending of this book a lot more light song specifically like you said uh he's a really cool character um in his in his final arc here i so missed opportunity is an interesting phrase that you use there elliot because brandon sanderson is as you'll Get to introduce yourself into the fandom of the cosmere, and like once you've read and been more versed in it and talked to other people you'll you'll begin to understand that a lot of people think that Brandon Sanderson is very, very good at capitalizing on payoff, but it takes him too long to get there in his in his books that a, a lot of people's critiques of Brandon Sanderson is well, why don't you just make your your books, you know, forty thousand words shorter, or you know, tw- twenty thousand words shorter. Well, it's just they want it to be more digestible. But Brandon Sanderson absolutely does not agree because he wants his payoff to mean a lot, like Kaladin in The Way of Kings. They want he he wants the payoff for Kaladin to be super meaningful, and the only way to down on the way of kings without completely restructuring the book with like a shalon cut or something would be to cut on kaladin flashback chapters um would be the the easy would be the easy one there but brandon sanderson like it's that type of thing where brandon sanderson's whole point is the journey not and what that meant means as you get the payoff and not just the payoff which is a lot of other shorter novel writers
1: that's very fair. I, I will say, at the end of this book, I kind of had a little moment of, so 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 far, this is the third third Brandon Sanderson movie or er, book we've read, um, not movie. Mm. I wish, I wish they were movies. And I guess this time I was kind of like, well, like the ending was really really exciting, but like I didn't enjoy the rest of the book that much, right? So, like, I I was kind of tired of this writing style, I guess. I will say in Warbreaker, so there's a whole lot of, like, payoff and cool stuff at the end. But there is less build-up to it, which is pretty fair. Like, considering our other books, this is much, much shorter. Um, So that could definitely play into it. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't even chalk it up to that, though. I would still say, like, I just like the other stories better. Um right. which is not anything wrong with Warbreaker. I just like the other ones more. Um, but something more specific with our story. Uh I really thought it was cool learning about Nightblood. I know Trevor made a point last time to ask like or I don't know if it was our last episode or the one before, about like, okay, is Nightblood a shard blade or is it just pumped full of like a million breaths in this world? Um, and so it's super powerful. And I was very much like, okay, it has to be a shard blade. Like, nothing else makes sense in my mind. And, of course, Brandon Sanderson is going to do something that doesn't make sense in my mind. <laughs> um, we, kind of, we kind of find that out, which is kind of like... I don't know. It was kind of weird for me to think about. I don't know. He was kind of like... I don't know. Just literally, like, so many breaths, it's not even funny. I, I remember at the at the very end of the book... I don't know if you ever saw this, Elliot. Uh, the very, very end of the book, it kind of talks about the levels of heightenings and how many breaths it takes and stuff like yep, that. Yep. Which was really neat. I don't remember the specifics off the top of my head, but yeah, basically, Nightblood had like a a whole bunch, and so he kind of like bends light and I don't know all this crazy stuff. So um, I don't know. My biggest thing is like, how did How did he get to our how did he get to Roshar? Yeah. And stuff. Like how did that happen? Um, which I'm gonna guess that we'll find out in Oathbreaker, but
0: So the let let's format this episode this way. Let's kind of just go through characters one at a time and we'll we'll talk about what they did in Warbreaker and then perhaps where they are on Roshar, if we're if we're gonna make those guesses. Um yeah. so and we can start with nightblood.
1: Night
0: <laughs> we can we'll start with uh we'll start with nightblood because like it, it's it's pretty obvious that, that Zeth has has Nightblood to you guys at this point because um for the for the common words of radiance reader you're supposed to have already read warbreaker But the reason why I had you guys read Warbreaker after is so that you had context of why you were reading it, as you were reading it, as opposed to we're gonna stop after the Way of Kings, read this, and then I'll read, and then we'll read Words of Radiance just for a one line drop at the very end of the book. At the very end, right? Like, there's there's really no reason to do that unless you you've already read Warbreaker um, like previous, and we didn't. I didn't want to stop for it, but now that we have read. Red words of radiance, and Warbreaker, and so we know that Nightblood is on Roshar. It was just given to Zeth. What are like? What are your guys' thoughts on War- on Nightblood and all of the technicalities that we just learned about him in these last couple chapters? How he works, and like, what that'll mean for Zeth uh, going into Oathbringer. So we. We we get some
2: details. You're right in these last few few chapters, which was which was definitely nice. We learned that Nightblood was crafted or forged by Shashara. Shashara should be an easy name to pronounce, right? Shashara, who is Dent's sister, is how that went down. Yep. Okay, so crafted by Shashara with some inordinate. Amount of breaths, like a thousand breaths or something like that, went into to making Nightblood. She gave gives him one command to destroy evil. But as I think it's Vasher kind of explains, and we get to see, Nightblood is still just a hunk of steel without a whole lot of ability to discern good and evil and right and wrong. And so all he knows is destroy evil. And what that evil is he doesn't really know he doesn't really care he he's more just focused on that word destroy at least that's kind of my take uh, uh after this book we get to see him in action finally towards the end of this like you were kind of alluding to paul he finally comes out of the sheath and let's he he lives up to his command he destroys like everything yep it, it, I I was reading pretty fast there because it was getting exciting. But was the basic gist that he just kind of disintegrates everything. So anything
0: he feeds off of breaths of the wielder, which is why he kills people that pick him up, is because they're going. Most people who pick them up pick him up only have one breath, and so he's just going to like instantly possess them if you will and destroy evil oh i'm slightly evil i'm gonna die so that's that's kind of how that works sort of there's more explained on the wiki which i won't get into but um also there's potentially a warbreaker sequel happening so uh brandon sanderson he's asked about warbreaker quite a bit because some of these characters show up in Stormlight, and so some of the, some questions he's been asked, he's answered, and it's general like canon. But it, it, even though it's not in the book, but some he's deliberately not answered because he does plan on doing a Warbreaker sequel at some point. So, one
1: then... question I have um, is so. so... We we really I I feel like I got a grasp of that like system of how Nightblood works whenever Vasher uses him because it just talks about how quickly he drains his breaths right and stuff like that. Um, uh, my biggest question that I'm honestly taking from this book to the next is well, one which this isn't even my biggest is how does Nightblood get to Roshar, but two is how is he going to function in Roshar like. Mm-hmm. Does Stormlight is Stormlight gonna effectively equal breaths there, or like what what happens? I don't I don't know how that's gonna work because I I don't know like does Zeth probably doesn't have breaths right or like I don't know maybe Stormlight is just an equivalent and it does that but I, I don't know how it's gonna function.
0: Okay, so I'm not gonna directly answer your question, but I will give you a sneak peek to our Cosmere explanation episode which is coming up so you guys have read the term investiture or invested with a capital i um in this specifically this book uses it a, a, quite a bit and then there's an interlude um where some of the some ardents use the word investiture yasna has used the word investiture i believe wit has as well um or Hoyd, i suppose
2: pattern has and as and well.
0: Yes, Pattern has as well. And so just like oversimplify it. It's the magic of the Cosmere is investiture and it takes different forms on different planets. But it's all the same it's all from the same source. Uh okay. so Stormlight is related to breaths, it's not the same thing, but it's it's from the same source. Think of think of it as like Germanic languages and Latin, like that they're they're related. They come from the same source, but they're distinctly different, and they operate different different ways. Um, okay, Paul, if you remember when you started Mistborn, some of the metals um, that work similarly um, <coughs> to uh, to to Stormlight in some ways, both investiture, so. There I won't get into too much of the unwritten history of the Cosmere which Brandon Sanderson has on his website, but uh, there's magic all across the Cosmere and it's titled Investiture.
1: That makes sense. Yep, it does. I feel like that's the most info I've ever gotten out of you from asking a question. Unless <laughs> like direct like answer to a question. So we're growing here. Let's go. Yep, there we go. All
0: right, so Nightblood, we kind of understand how he works. How is Zeth going to use him and what is he going to do to Zeth? Any any predictions here before we jump back into Oathbringer in a couple weeks?
2: That is a great question cuz Night Nightblood is is very much a an influence on the people who wield him. Correct. He, he he pushes really hard, you know, hey, there's some guys over there, they're evil, let's go kill them, let's go kill them. So to have that kind of voice in Zeth's ear, part, part of me wants to say that Zeth is very determined and he's very good at setting his mind on one thing and doing it no matter what. So if if Zeth is set on wielding nightblood in let's say an honorable way i i would think he'd be very good at resisting when nightblood is saying you know go do this but if zeth is more like listening open-mindedness with his you know identity crisis that he's just had is he going to start to open his mind to other you know, influences and voices if nightblood is going to be one of those that sounds really destructive so i'm
1: not i'm not sure that's i yeah i don't know so my my thought is so zeth is given this he's given night blood by the other guy the stormbreaker guy right i believe the Um, skybreaker yeah skybreaker yes sorry um and my, my thought is, I'm assuming the Skybreaker knows a little bit about Nightblood. Maybe knows, like, I don't know what to do and can kind of teach Zeth or, like, give him a warning, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my, my thought, is that Zeth will have some knowledge about it and not just, like, instantly be overtaken by it, so...
2: I I will say... It's definitely setting up a very clear dichotomy between Kaladin and Zeth because Z- Kaladin has Syl in his head, who, as a. Wow, I'm blanking on the term now. Spren. Well, she's a spren, but he's a uh, windrunner. Windrunner, <laughs> as a wow been been off been off of Roshar for too long this is yeah, bad it's, it's been a while. As, as a windrunner spren as a as an honor spren sill is very she's all about protection and not destroying where you don't need to and then here we have zeth who the voice in his head is going to be destroy 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 so you have destroy 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 and you have protect 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 on on two sides just very opposite Mindsets
0: there. Did I ever pull this back? I don't think I did. I'm intrigued now. Did I ever pull this back out with the artwork on here
1: for you guys? No, I remember. I remember you saying it was like a spoiler, so yeah. So,
0: so here's your Words of Radiance finale uh, artwork piece: Kaladin versus Zeth on the. I don't know how well you can guys see this, but um
1: not that well to be to be honest but but i can see i can see two characters on there so i'm assuming that's called and stuff
0: yeah so elliot your mental or your image of you putting your hands together just reminded me of that
2: but very much on opposite ends of the spectrum is seems like what we're setting up here
0: Uh, Let's talk about Vasher So Any Well first of all Let's talk about Vasher in the context of Warbreaker Uh, He's one of the Five scribes Or whatever they call Whatever they called them um, Which he's basically Or the five scholars And It's They're basically like deific beings of the past, um, for for Vivenna, and she kind of stops herself halfway through the last or one of the last chapters, and she's like, "Oh no, you can't be that guy. He lived five hundred years ago." And then she she's like, "Wait, it's like the Aowin uh, Aragorn moment in Two Towers, you know? <laughs> how old? You can't be that. Wait, are you that old? Mm-hmm. So uh, Vashir's way more than he seemed to be at the." Um, in the beginning of this book. We're, what are our thoughts? Do we, do we still like Vasher as a character?
1: I think Vasher was uh, like at the end of the book, I think he was my favorite character. I thought he was, it was pretty cool, like ending and kind of a big reveal. And it was so, so for me, I could see Vasher as potentially being some greater character. Right? Like, going into it, because he's kind of this, yeah, like an Aragorn-esque character. He's kind of, like, shady, tries to stay out of the sunlight kind of thing. um, Out of the spotlight, I should say. um, And then moves on, and ends up being some, I don't know, deific being. Um, I did not expect the mercenary depth to be anything big, though. He's like described as being like stronger and better than Vasher. And I was like, what do you mean? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I just took him as like general mercenary number two. Like right. <laughs> the other <laughs> book, honestly. Um, I was a lot more surprised by that than I was all the other reveals, I'd say.
2: Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised by that that felt like the biggest the, the biggest part of the the Sander Lanch, if you will, was all the information about Vasher. About the I, I did like that scene on the, the rooftop where he kind of reveals himself as like, whoa. I, I was not expecting that at all. And so to to learn all of that was was interesting and, and it puts I don't know, it makes me rethink Vasher's entire character when you when you go back and think about what he's done in this book and what he knows and what he's capable of. And it it changes. Well, I honestly don't know quite what it changes because there's a lot of in classic Brandon, Brandon Sanderson style, lots of unanswered questions now about Vasher. It's like, right. right, Well, how, how is he still alive? How does he live without breaths? How does he like control minds? And like, there's all, all this other stuff that he does that we have no idea how, but, to to go back and think about his character from the first time we met him and realize how much power he has that he's not using is interesting.
0: Right. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break from jumping character to character. Any any hypotheses on... How we get from Nalthus to Roshar? How Nightblood gets there, and if any of our other characters are there as well, under you know different names or whatever.
1: So we've—I'm pretty sure it was confirmed. If not, then we've just been making this assumption that the Skybreaker guy with Zeth is like this—the Herald. That is Skybreaker. That is
0: who he's claiming to be. Yes.
1: Okay. So if if that's the case, then. Just like Hoyd, I would just could assume he has the power to just go wherever he wants and do whatever he wants, so I would assume he could just go here to what are places called Nalthus. Nalthus, yep. Nalthus. Um I I assume he could just go to Nalthus and just get Nightblood blood and go wherever. I don't we don't I don't I don't know how much detail it would even go into potentially of like what happened? Why he got it? How he got it? I don't even know how important that is, but I'm assuming there wasn't anyone between, like Vasher and Nalthus. No, not Nalthus. Uh, Skybreaker guy. Um, is my thought. Just a quick, just a quick
0: uh, in- interlude, if you would excuse my use of that word. Uh, so are you saying that? Warbreaker did in fact happen before Stormlight? Are you disproving your shallan theory?
1: <laughs> well it could go either way. Either it okay. went from like Vasher to Skybreaker Guy, or it could have gone Skybreaker Guy to Vasher. Okay. Uh they could literally just be the same person.
0: True.
1: Uh, that's something else I thought of, so he is pretty old, so Vasher is at least, so who knows? I feel like it would honestly make a little more sense for them to be the same person, just because, like... No, that's not true. I was going to say, because, like, who else is going to experience Nightblood and, like, figure it out, I guess? Uh, But it says, like, Denth has history with the Blade. Like, people people who are way up there in the whatever system they have going on there uh, kind of understand what Nightblood is... I'm just saying everything wrong by the way. <laughs> um, so yeah. I feel like it's it's not that that deep here. I don't know. It, it there could be some crazy story about how he got to Roshar, but I imagine it's fairly simple.
2: I I also think it's gonna be something f- fairly or relatively simple simply because at the end of Words of Radiance, we just saw two different examples of teleportation, essentially. We saw these big old oath gates that can take an entire army from one place on Roshar to the next. It doesn't seem too big of a stretch to imagine a device that can take you from one planet to the next, or one solar system to the next, or however it's it's all set up. But then we also saw Yasna do a little bit of individual teleportation sort of ish with her else calling in that she like appears seemingly from nowhere. So I I bet there's some kind of ability or technology or combination of the, of both that allows people to, yeah, essentially teleport from one planet to the, the next That That's my guess.
0: And, Hoyd knew that Yasna was about to show up. So right. so Hoyd's aware and we've seen Hoyd on both planets, so that th- there's a hint for you.
2: I also talking about timeline. I think I'm going to seat myself in the opinion of it seems like Warbreaker is happening first before the events that we're seeing later, simply because of Nightblood and Vasher, it seems like, like you were mentioning, Paul, that there seems to be a pretty solid history with the characters that we've seen there, with no sort of re- like immediate reference to like an unexplained period of time where Nightblood was gone. Correct. It it, it definitely could have happened because there's hundreds of years, right? But we we've we've referenced back to Nightblood's creation. And it seems implied that since then, he's been in the custody of Vasher or Denth or maybe, you know, those other five scholars or whatever their their names are. So I'm going to lean on that and think that this is pre-Words of Radiance, but maybe not definitively proven
1: that. That's a really good point. I, I, I honestly agree. Like, so, so it has to either be that Warbreakers before... Or it's like a much later like like hundreds sure. of years later. Like it has to be like a substantial amount of time. Um which wouldn't really make too much sense like you said with the um with when Nightblood was made and all so
0: righty. Light song? Can we talk about light song for a bit. So uh, don't need to. I'm <laughs> I'm a big fan of Light Song as as a hero like from from where he starts he's this carefree god who just likes making fun of other people he's he's kind of got that wit charm about him of I'm just going to here I'm here to make fun of you and have a good time cuz I don't really care and he kind of reawakens in himself this person that he used to be before of this self-sacrifice and the how much he cares about the people around him because uh, Blushweaver certainly isn't on his side like 100% at all, but he still cares for her because that's the person he is and or was, um, and he's rediscovering that as Blushweaver's dying in front of him. So the, the priests that, that kill Blushweaver no the fake priests sorry um that kill blush weaver are surprised that lightsong is genuinely cares for um uh, cares for her because none of the gods care for anybody except for themselves so when um when they kill blush weaver in front of him as kind of a ransom card for his high priest who surprises his brother from his previous life um they they use that against him, um, but he still can figure out how to be influenced or be to give up his own life for Sesebron to heal his tongue, blah 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 blah. Anyway, um I'm a big fan of Light Song and what Brandon Sanderson does with this character.
1: It was pretty cool to have like kind of the pinnacle of a story be him and, and Laurimore like talking about his past um past life and then him kind of having this big moment of realization and making a sacrifice and stuff was it was, it was a really cool moment um and i would like if he before reading that if you were to ask like what's probably the best thing that could happen with light song's character i probably would have said something along those lines because that's kind of the character's like struggle is like no, like i I don't want to give my life up for some someone else like that's lame and all right. that stuff, so uh, it was pretty and cool i think you I think it was Elliot you had the prediction
0: that he would give his life up for perhaps a siri or the the un yeah. or the unborn child or something along those lines, so you were close but not 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 quite,
2: yeah, yeah kind of along the same lines. i i would never have guessed giving it up for Susabron at all that 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 caught me off guard but i thought it had a a really a really intriguing symmetry i guess to it and that in their in their religion the entire purpose of the returned is to ultimately give up their life to heal someone yeah and we go the whole book with Light Song claiming, I don't believe in this religion. This whole thing is is silly. Why would I do that? This is dumb. I'm not a god. And yet his final act in life is fulfillment of the exact religious purpose that they they claim he was meant for. And that's exactly what he was meant for. And so I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. I... I, I too especially loved the whole relationship between Laramar and and Light Song throughout the entire book. I I think that that was my favorite interactions amongst any of our characters, just watching Laramar so faithfully believe in Lightsong. Where when Lightsong doesn't even believe in himself, but Laramar just so, so completely Seeing that Light Song has what it takes, you know, he's like, "I know you can do this. I know who you are. You are worthy of this." And Light Song the whole time just kind of, you know, brushing that off. Nah, nah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And then that, for that to come to kind of again the, this fulfilling moment where he does do the right thing is just it, it was really cool.
0: So I don't know if you guys have picked up on this yet, but you'll get there of Brandon Sanderson really enjoys this dynamic of regular people and then like comparing them to their deities, but just explaining their deification via magic. So like, let's talk about the heralds real quick. So everybody reveres the heralds as like, you know, deific people of the past, but we've, we, we've just been exploring that they're just knights radiant who are in the you know either right place at the right time or whatever that were chosen to um seal away the the void bringers or whatever um but they're just people that were given enough investiture to be deific to other people so there's a and then uh, on in warbreaker here that the god king is just a guy who the priests choose to keep all their breaths for them because that's that's their duty is to protect all these breaths so and then they everybody else in the world views this person as a god because they just have a bunch of breaths but that's he Brandon Sanderson really enjoys explaining like coming up with a religion and then explaining the religion via like something tangible, which is weird to say with magic, but you understand what I'm saying. Well, it's kind of like that whole concept of, or that whole, that saying that
2: science at, at an adequately high level is indiscernible from magic. Right. It's kind of like, you know, power at a certain high enough level is indiscernible from, you know, a God. You, to, to the normal people, these people are gods. But if you, if you take a closer look at, you know the life of a god it really is just he's or she they they are on a different level of abilities pretty much they they have these magical p- abilities so it's just kind of a a matter of perspective almost which i i agree with you is a a very a very interesting i i don't know quite what the word is interesting dialogue or
0: theme i guess through a lot of his his works this isn't, I mean, it technically is a spoiler, but it's not a super explicit spoiler. So Mistborn is split into Era 1 and Era 2. There, Right now there's three books in Era 1, three books in Era 2. And there's a significant time skip between the two eras. In Mistborn Era 2, all of the characters view the characters from Mistborn Era 1 as gods, as if they were like, like deific beings of the past they worship them as if they were like gods and because they have powers that they no longer have in era two and so they they view them as you know holy or whatever so there's there's more of that to come in the cosmic or which will we'll come to eventually quick paul write it down we don't get spoilers very often
1: i <laughs> know no, no i'll definitely remember that and, and honestly that's something kind of cool to take as I am reading Miss born um some currently still, so
0: um
1: it's been a lot slower of a process than our current our, our main books we're reading, but I'm super excited honestly, whenever we get to talk about it, I'm assuming it'll be a while, but you know one day
0: one day,
2: so Paul, I think we can unfortunately put to bed your. Your awesome theory about Light Song having been Shalon in his past life. What I want to say though is maybe there's still some room for maybe Shalon is a returned Light Song, perhaps.
1: Well, I was gonna say so if if we're putting it to bed entirely, then we're assuming that there's only like one life, right? Like he was this other person before, and now he's Light Song. And that's it, really. Like, you know, very well could be Shalon. So, if
2: he returned once, he could return again, right?
1: Exactly, and that would make sense, you know. Um, That still makes sense. So it's it's not dead, but you know, we'll have to read Oathbringer to get the confirmation um, to 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 really confirm that it's real. There, definitely. Um, So I'm sure that'll be like the Sander Lanch that we read in. One of the last three books. It may it may honestly be the finale like fifth book five because uh, that's the big reveal,
0: yes. At the
1: very I of book I five. know it is gonna be a really big reveal. Or maybe Warbreaker two. Oh, okay.
0: That's I I'm could thinking.
1: see I could see it being fitting into Warbreaker Two. So um either way. So Warbreaker Two is actually Shalon's book. <laughs> <Fun fact>. <laughs> <laughs> Heard it here first. Fun, fun fact, yes. Um Does that mean so. Warbreaker one is Kaladin's book? Let, no, and you just of go. Of course not. Oh, okay. No, we Bigger One was Light Songs, but obviously. We're Bigger Two would be Shalon. <laughs> gotcha. Shalon and Laramar, who it's is. Uh, right? No, no, no. He's. uh, I forgot the name. What was our pirate friend? <laughs> in, oh. Yalb? Yalb. Yes, Yalb. Yes. Yalb. Yes. yes larmar is Yalb. So Obviously. There you have it. Make a good duo. Or Adolin, you know, some may say. It's uh some it's up, up in the air. So it's up uh, you know, up to interpretation at this point until Warbreaker 2. So
0: Alright. Let's talk about Siri and Sasebron. Um, so they, they're, they're in love, which I'm coming to terms with, but it's fine. Um, and Ciri is trying to rescue Sasabron. Cesabron's trying to rescue Siri. They get separated. Cesabron's taken to the, um, to the prison cell, which Bluefingers has this whole elaborate plan of making it look like. Sesebron killed Siri at an altar and then you know it's super convoluted but bluefit like we can talk about bluefinger's motives here in a little bit but um Siri and Sesebron both end up alive at the end of the book Sesebron gets his tongue healed by Light Song. um lightsong gives up his his breath to my breath to yours my life to yours or whatever he says and Sesebron so can instantly talk extremely well and just like shoots through the the ceiling of the palace is how I imagined it like he kind of just warps the entire thing to to white or to black or I don't remember which one it was, but he's got a lot of power and he can finally use it and he certainly does use it to uh um to save siri and then after that they start talking about oh, can you go stop all of these? Uh Lifeless? Lifeless, thank you. Uh can you go stop all these lifeless by yourself? He's like, eh, maybe. But they don't end up going with that that plan. So he's quite powerful by the end of the book. What are you guys' what what are you guys's uh, feelings on Siri and Cisabron's story?
1: I was really glad that we got to see some of Sesebron where he he can speak and he can't actually use his powers because it was almost kind of lame. Well, it wasn't actually lame. I thought it was actually kind of cool. I have I have a really specific image in my mind for Sephiroth, which I honestly can't explain that well. Just kind of a it describes him as just a really big, like almost perfect-looking guy, um, like really just strong and like immaculate and kind of like awe-inspiring or like you mm-hmm. know color kind of bends around him kind of thing, like, super powerful. Um, But my question has just been, like, okay, like, what could he do, you know, if he could use his powers, and we got to see that, which I was really happy about. Um, As far as him and Siri, I mean, I feel like it's as good as it could be. I wasn't the biggest fan of it to begin with, but, like, it is what it is, and it it didn't turn out that bad, too. So. Kind of.
2: I, I feel similarly. I feel like their their ending to their like specific story was it was fine. It's okay. Nothing too exciting. I. I imagine that the the hook for Warbreaker two or one of the plot starters for Warbreaker two is the fact that we know that somehow. The the returned can give up their breath without dying. And Siri tries to get this information out of the high priest guy, but he dies before he can give it to her. And so I imagine a big part of Warbreaker 2 is gonna be how does Susvebron pass on his power without dying? And Siri, you know, trying to help him figure that out so that he doesn't die. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of felt like that was the big left open question for for their plotline, perhaps. But it, it was cool to see
0: Cissebron unleashed with all his power. I believe uh, I believe they say this, but the 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 title that they use for Siri the entire book is Vessel, but. Really it's the Sabron who's the vessel to hold all the breaths. That that's the that's the whole point here. They don't really care about um the kid or getting uh Siri like to have a to have a child that, that's just part of their smoke screen of keeping the God King in like this line um of of heirs, if you will.
2: I I do gotta say that it did seem like the story was kind of trying to exonerate the priests by, you know, saying, "Oh, everything is fine. The priests are good. It's the the pawn call, you know, blue fingers that are bad," be because the priests were were not going to kill him in the end. That they had a way to do this all without killing him. And I, I got to say that was a little bit too big of a pill, honestly, for me to swallow. Yeah. Just because the amount of like intricate lies that they are, you know, trying to protect to hold up this whole religion and yeah, this whole sham of having to bring in Siri and having to make it very clear that she was pregnant and about to have a kid also that they can just pull this swap with this other kid. They have like, you know, hold on a second. Like these, I I don't know that that lets these guys off the, the hook. They're still pulling this incredible farce of a religion together with all this stuff that they're faking. Like, I, I don't know. they, That they're not maybe the villains per se, and that they're not, you know, setting this whole thing up to kill Sue Sebron, but I I certainly ain't putting them in the good guys side either.
0: You brought up the pawn call, which I want to talk about real quick here. Is another critique of of Warbreaker is that the twist that Bluefingers is the villain is not really decipherable um, ahead of time, that the Pawn Call as villains, it's kind of just random. And the, the that as a twist is kind of just odd because they're not really talked about at all until you realize realized that they are the villains and you don't really care. at, the, Or at least I didn't. I, d- I didn't really care that they were the villains. I'm like, okay, uh, I didn't see that coming, but... I'm not emotionally invested because I don't know anything about them. Like it, they're this third people group that just wants to profit from a, a war between I- Idris and to tell her, like, okay, but I don't, I don't really care because I don't know any of them except for blue So I, I think Brandon Sanderson could have developed the pawn call a little bit more, but then the twist would maybe would have been more obvious. I don't know. Uh, what, what are you guys' thoughts?
1: I definitely agree. Like the Pong call like I didn't I so I read the last this this final part twice and my second read through was whenever I actually realized that. I didn't even realize it at first, what was going on that they wanted the other two groups to fight so that they could kinda of benefit from it. And yeah, I, I felt like that wasn't like if he asked me before these final chapters who the punk call is, I probably wouldn't have known. Right. I don't think I don't think I would have. Um, and yeah, and I yeah, I feel like it it wasn't a shock to me. It wasn't a shock to me about blue fingers about I guess the motive behind it I didn't know so that was a shock. But yeah, kind of same vein as you, Trevor. So I was like, okay, like, cool. Right. Uh, I don't. I didn't care that much about about them being the, the bad guys
2: i i think i can buy into that critique as well for me largely because that scene where blue Fingers is about to kill siri the way he describes like the war he's trying to put together you can tell there's just like this immense hatred behind it all he he's bent on the two nations just completely eradicating each other it's not just that he he doesn't w- just want them to go to war so they weaken each other so that he gets his revenge or that you know pond Call the Ponca can get a a leg up. No, he wants them to like kill every single last person in each, each other's countries. And I just kind of paused and I was like, you know, whoa whoa, like where where is this coming from? There there seems to be a lot of history here, or at least there should be for that level of hatred that we just haven't seen at all. And so yeah, I I think I would maybe agree with that, that it would have, it would have meant more as a reader if we knew why the, the the pawn call are so bent on this or at least blue fingers individually is.
0: Any more, any more thoughts on our closing chapters before we talk about the entire book, which will be next week.
2: I I just want to mention the Vena real quickly just because we we didn't really get to talk about her too much but there's not honestly a whole lot to say. I think some of her bigger character moments came a little little earlier with her her crisis that she went through uh when she lost everything and you know was betrayed by Dent and all of that. But I I did actually enjoy her character arc quite a bit as well and the the closure that we got to with with her of just kind of arriving at her realizing how different the world is from how she thought it was, and how she was she thought she was so prepared, she was the hardworking one, and then here by the end of it, we've seen as a reader that maybe Siri even handled all of this craziness better than Vivenna did, and so I I thought that was a cool just little perspective gain for Vivenna throughout this this whole thing, but. Nothing much really to say, I guess, beyond that for these final chapters.
1: Yeah, whenever you started making this point, I didn't think of anything, but at the very end, it kind of hit me, like comparing Vavena and Siri, I guess. So I didn't think about it that much, but so I, I was more interested in Siri's storyline throughout the book. Which one kind of surprised me, because I feel like Vivena has the more, like, rogue, cool storyline. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that I don't know, Vivena went through way more, like, they, they were different, like, different kinds of struggles, I guess. Siri so kind of had this, like, don't know information kind of search trying to figure out what's going on and also like just as far as character development and like situations through the story just the whole humiliating process of being sent to marry the god king right like all that at the beginning which we haven't really talked about in a long time but that struggle at the beginning of like i don't know it's just like embarrassing for her like emotionally and physically and just all this stuff right right um with vavenna I was saying it's more just because I guess it was a more like. Okay, Siri's obviously very afraid for her life at the start. But it was kind of like an if you cooperate, you'll be fine, which is kind of rough, and I hate that. Um, right. But Vivena's just like, okay, you're out on the streets, like literally having to try and steal her bag to survive. Um, it was a very, like, rough, rough situation, and. Wasn't in like the best of company. Whether or not she knew it and stuff. Which is. Kind of an interesting contrast. But. I don't know. I don't have a major point. To make off of that. Just that like. I don't know. Vivena really went through a lot in this book. Yeah. Um, and Siri did too. But they were very different. And I guess if if I were to compare. I'd say Vivendo's is way more like. Intense. Even though Siri's is also like. It's a very different kind, so it's difficult to compare, yeah. but I, I think Vivena's was is like way more rough. I agree. Any,
0: anything else? Nothing here.
1: Not really. I'm I'm excited to kind of wrap up the book as, as a whole um in our in our next and final Warbreaker episode. Um being no- nothing else I guess specifically about these chapters actually actually, one thing one thing like literally the final point kind of of the book it's just a cool like acknowledgement uh, of Vasher like a- awakening or talking about how much like breaths it takes to like awaken all the like stone pillar skeletons that was kind of neat yeah um, that was just a neat little thing and kind of like a I don't know an ultimate Power, like use of power that we get to kind of capitalize the the book. So
0: cool. Alrighty, with that we will close our episode on on Warbreaker. We'll be talking about we'll still be talking about Warbreaker next week with our full book summary and and plot and setting and taking all that, deconstructing all that. But for now, we can sign off and see you guys next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. See you next week. Of course.